God answers prayer. It's not always the way we think it's going to be answered. We turn in that regards to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6, this evening we're going to read verses 1 through 14. Nehemiah chapter 6, 1 through 14, as we look at three prayers of Nehemiah this evening. Nehemiah chapter 6, now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come and let us meet together at Akapiram in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah, and now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. And I sent to him saying, no such things as you say have been done, for you're inventing them out of your own mind. They all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. Now when I went into the house of Shimeiah, the son of Deleah, the son of Mehedabel, who was confined in his home, He said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him. But he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin. And so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, oh my God. According to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Nodiah, and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. As far as the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for these words that you have given us in your Old Testament. We pray that you will guide Pastor Bob as he leads us through them this evening, that you will help him to explain them to us in a way that we can understand and that we can take and apply to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to look at three prayers this evening of Nehemiah. First, a prayer for guidance. Secondly, a prayer for strength. And thirdly, a prayer for justice. A prayer for guidance, a prayer for strength, and a prayer for justice. Now, for the prayer of guidance, we have to go back to Nehemiah chapter 4, where we left off last Lord's Day evening. You'll recall that at that time, uh, Nehemiah had also prayed 
starting in verse 4 of chapter 4, as they faced the obstacles that Sanballat and Tobiah and the rest of that crew was throwing against them, the taunts, the jeers that was coming to them, Nehemiah had prayed, verse 4, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their taunt back on their own heads. Give them up. And what follows in verse 5 as well. And then that beautiful conclusion. Got done praying. They got up. We built the wall. The wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. But that doesn't stop the enemies. That doesn't stop these unrelenting enemies who just keep coming and coming and coming and coming after Nehemiah and the people of Israel. So we read the very next verse, verse 7. Chapter 4, but when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem were going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted to come together and to fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. See what has progressed. Before we just had taunts and jeers. Now, because there is so much progress going on, because the wall... And remember the, the symbolism of that wall, the protection, the guard of God. As they build that wall, the, these enemies' anger and hatred grows and builds. So now, rather than just taunting and jeering, they're planning an armed invasion. They're planning war. They plotted to come together, verse 8, and fight against Jerusalem. And cause confusion. Now look at verse 9. So what do they do? What is Nehemiah and the rest of these people who are building the wall? What do they do? And we prayed to our God. And we set a guard as a protection against them day and night. We prayed to our God. What did they pray? I don't know. What words did they use? I don't know. They're unrecorded. We, we don't have the words that the people of Israel, that Nehemiah used upon that particular occasion. But we certainly have the context, don't we? We have the context of the enemies are mounting, and we have the opposite side of the plan that they enact. What would that mean the prayer is? Well, as I said, we don't know the exact word, but the context gives to us what they prayed. Lord, we don't know what to do here. Lord, give us some guidance. Lord, open our eyes so that we know how we should respond. We need direction. Ever feel like that in life? Ever feel like Nehemiah and the people of Israel are here where the enemies, uh, we, we think we might have had some success, but the enemy just comes roaring back with a vengeance, even stronger? And we're like, well, now what? What does Nehemiah do? What do the people of Israel do? They pray. They pray. I, I think it's 
pretty interesting that the prayer isn't recorded. God has a plan and a purpose for everything he puts in the word, right? Why? Because you know what we would do with it? We'd look at that prayer as some sort of magical formula. Okay, whenever I'm facing this, this is the prayer I offer. These are the words I now speak, and now there's supposed to be direction. I think God leaves the prayer out intentionally so that we understand the context, we become aware of the circumstances that Nehemiah faces, but we see it is perfectly legitimate for God's people at times to say, Lord, I don't know what to do here. Oh, didn't we not sing that in that hymn? All our planning, all our schemes sometimes come to an end and we're left with, I got nothing. But notice what happens. They pray. And what does God's word tell us follows that? They prayed and they came up with a plan. Now where do you think the plan came from? If they already knew what to do, why did they pray? The point is they didn't know what to do. They prayed and now they're given a plan. And what's the plan? Charge them. Go out there. Get an army. Fight them. Go out there in the plains. Nope. That's not the plan. Might be our way of solving the issue, but it wasn't God's plan. God's plan was this. Set a guard. Have the guards there day and night. And get back to work. See, there was kingdom work to be done. And the kingdom work to be done was not going to battle with Samballat and Tobiah, the Ammonites and the Ashdodites. The battle plan for God's people, the work that they were to do, was to build the walls of Jerusalem and to put the gates in. That was their responsibility. That was their call. That was their task. And God gives to them the plan. It involved four things. One, as you read through the rest of chapter four, it involves four things. One, set a guard. Always have guards while others are working. Have some men working on the wall, others are guarding while the work is being done. Two, get back to work. Don't stop. In other words, don't let the threat stop you from the work that needs to be done. Three, Respond together. If they do come, if they do try to come over this wall, sound the alarm and everybody go to that trumpet sound. It's not, well, you know, that's George's responsibility over there. We'll just let George handle that. No, we fight together. We respond together. We defend together. Dr. Tim knows this quite well from the days in which we tried to get the upper room prayer thing going. Of, of one of the reasons we, we wanted brothers in Christ to join together in prayer is exactly for the moment in history we're facing now. See, what often happens, particularly in Grand Rapids, where there is this dearth of churches, is this. 
Somebody gets in trouble because they take a stand for the truth of God's word. And you know what happens? The piranha go to work. The feeding frenzy begins. No, not the feeding, feeding frenzy from the media. The feeding frenzy from the church. All hoping, hey, maybe we'll gain five, six families. And maybe if that minister gets kicked out, he's pretty popular and they get a new guy. See, this, this is the mentality that the church has today. And yet, what does God's word say? No, you're working on a section of the wall? Sound the alarm when the enemy comes. And what are the rest of us supposed to do? We're supposed to come and help and defend. We're supposed to have one another's backs. We're supposed to stand together as the church of Jesus Christ. Whether, rather than be divided by denominational lines and denominational ties and church growth and how many people we have sitting in our pews. See, that's the prayer. Lord, what are we to do? Work together. Right? Lord, look at our circumstances. What are we to do? Well, let's each go out and do our individual thing. No, work together. And be diligent about the work you have to do. Look at verse 23. So, neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes except each, excuse me, took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his hand. The point is this, they were always ready. Even if they were sleeping, they were ready. If they were eating, they were ready. If they were drinking, they were ready. They were always ready, always prepared. They never relaxed. They never backed off. They never lessened. You know who was the leader in that? Nehemiah. Nehemiah leads that. Oh, remember, he's not a prophet. Remember, he's not a priest. Remember, he's not a king. He's just a layman. And he leads by his example. I will do the work that the Lord has given us to do. And I will be diligent about that work. Prayer number one. Prayer number two. Now we go to Nehemiah chapter six. Now there is another prayer recorded between these two. But I'm coming back to that because there, it's going to be a series of prayer that sound remarkably similar. And we'll come back to the one that I am missing in between here. But in Nehemiah chapter six, the passage that we read, we have secondly a prayer for strength. It's these beautiful words found in verse nine, right? But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Why, why does Nehemiah pray this prayer? Well, you see, they've got back to work. They got a lot of work done. In fact, the only thing that's left to do is to put up the doors in the gates. And yet the enemies 
Do not back off. In fact, something interesting happens. The attacks now become personal. See, before they were attacking the Jews, before they were jeering the work of the workers, well, there's no use doing that. The work's basically done now. All that's left is hanging the doors. So now what do they do? Now they go after Nehemiah. Now they begin to attack him personally. How? They want to meet with him. Come to this remote location. Come to this spot. And there we'll talk about this circumstance. Maybe we can iron things out. Maybe we can come to some sort of negotiated agreement. And Nehemiah's like, no, they intend to do me harm. In other words, they intend to kill him. They see that the only way to end this project is to get rid of Nehemiah. And you hear Nehemiah's retort, right? I'm not coming down. I got work to be done. I'm up here on the scaffolding and I'm working on putting the bolts in and stuff to put, hang the gates and so on. No, I, I, got, I got work to do. Sorry, not coming to meet with you. He knows the ploy. He knows what they're up to. Well, then they, they have a guy show up with a fake letter. False charges. False reports. We hear you're going to do this. We hear you're going to do that. That's right, isn't it? And he's like, no, I never said such a thing. It's not happening. You guys are making this up. It's not true. But what he does do, recognizing they're trying to frighten the people, is Nehemiah prays. But now, oh God, strengthen my hand. You know, something different? This is a personal prayer. Why? Because the attacks are personal. They went after Nehemiah personally. So now Nehemiah prays. It's not we, right? It's my. But now, oh God, strengthen my hands. Notice where Nehemiah is looking. To be strengthened, Nehemiah is not looking to the king. You'd think that would be a good ally for him, his buddy back there that he was the cupbearer to. He's not looking to the people. He's not looking to the prophet. He's looking to the one source of strength that there actually is in this world. Because Nehemiah knows the word. Listen to the word of God. Psalm 18, 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield, my heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I will praise him. Psalm 68, 34 and 35, ascribe strength to God. His excellence is over Israel, and his strength is in the clouds, O God. You are more awesome than your holy places. The God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be God. Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait 
I say on the Lord. Habakkuk 3.19, the Lord is my strength and he will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on the high hills. Psalm 81.1, sing aloud to God our strength. Make a joyful shout to the God of Jacob. Exodus 15.2, the Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. But now, O God, the one who can strengthen, the one who is the source of all strength, the one who is all-powerful, the one who is the Almighty. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. Secondly, what does he mean by strength? Wait, what's, what's Nehemiah asking for? Is Nehemiah's hands, his physical hands, growing weak? Is he asking for physical strength? No, he's not asking for physical strength. He's asking for spiritual strength to deal with the attacks that he is facing. Listen to Matthew Henry's commentary in this regard. Let those who are tempted to idle merry meetings by vain companions thus answer the temptation. We have work to do and must not neglect it. We must never suffer ourselves to be overcome by repeated urgency to do anything sinful or imprudent. But when when attacked with the same temptation, must resist it with the same reason and resolution. It is common for that which is desired only by the malicious to be falsely represented by them as desired by the many. But Nehemiah knew at what they aimed. He not only denied that such things were true, but that they were reported. He was better known than to be thus suspected. We must never omit any known duty for fear it should be misconstrued. But while we keep a good conscience, let us trust God with our good name. God's people, though loaded with reproach, are not really fallen so low in reputation as some would have them thought to be. Nehemiah lifted up his heart to heaven in a short prayer. When in our Christian work and warfare, we enter upon any service or conflict, this is a good prayer. I have such a duty to do, such a temptation to grapple with. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Every temptation to draw us from duty should quicken us the more to duty. O Lord, strengthen my hands. See, there was the source, there is the strength, but what was going to be the sign? He doesn't just say, oh Lord, strengthen me. He said, strengthen my hands. He is, in a sense, asking God for a sign. Show me, God, show me. That you are the one strengthening me. What is that sign? 
verse 15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month in 52 days. Oh, Lord, strengthen me. What did they do? They finished the work. The sign that it was God who strengthened Nehemiah in face of all of this opposition is the fact that the wall was completed. They did it in a remarkable short period of time. We come back to that in a moment. Third prayer is the prayer for justice. That's verse 14 because you see, the enemies don't give up. Nehemiah keeps moving forward, but the enemies just don't go home and go, well, so what? Remember, even the Lord Jesus Christ deals with Satan's temptations not just once. Satan just doesn't go, okay, I'm done. I faced, the, I faced Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I lost once. No, he comes back again. And then what? He comes back again. And don't think, my friends, he stopped coming. Right? He's there in the voice of those priests, isn't he? Come down from the cross and we'll believe you. Satan's taunts were unrelenting upon the Lord Jesus Christ. They come back again. Only this time, the plot is even more devious. They say, who's they? Prophets, false prophets who are hired by Tobiah and Sanballat. Men who were paid to go to Nehemiah and say, I have received a prophecy. I have received a revelation. The Lord says you are to leave this work and to meet and to go and to flee to the temple. And you're to take up residence in the temple. Now, what's the big deal? The big deal is this. Nehemiah, oh, was Nehemiah king? Answer. Was Nehemiah a prophet? Is Nehemiah a priest? Can he enter the temple? No. He enters the temple. He's a dead man. What a devious little plot. Come to the temple. You'll be safe in the temple. No. The safety was not in the temple. If Nehemiah had went in the temple, that would have been his death. Or at least it would have maligned his character and his reputation. You know what Nehemiah did? He went into the temple. Nehemiah's not supposed to go in the temple. What kind of leader we got here? He defies the word of the Lord. Wait a minute. Hold on here. They hire people who are supposed to proclaim the truth of the Lord. They're supposed to proclaim the word of the Lord. Instead, they proclaim lies and falsehoods. So what does Nehemiah do? He prays. As Nehemiah always does, right? What does Nehemiah do? He prays. Here's the prayer. Verse 14, remember Tobiah and Sabalat, O my God, according to these things that they have done, and also the prophetess Nodiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. Every single one of them who prophesied lies. Lord, remember them. See, it is a prayer for justice. 
Note three things. One, there is a need for justice. It is not right that the church of Jesus Christ is maligned. It is not right that the church of Jesus Christ is laughed at and mocked. It is not right that there are false prophets within the church of Jesus Christ. It is not right. It is wrong. It is an injustice. So Nehemiah took an axe. Nehemiah concocted a plot. Nehemiah sought to destroy Tobiah, Sanballat, and the rest of them. No. What does Nehemiah do? Lord, remember, you're the God of justice. Nehemiah already knew, Romans chapter 12, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Nehemiah knows that God is a God of justice. Oh, it may not be according to Nehemiah's timetable, but he knows that God is the source of justice. And he prays, remember them, Lord. There is a need for justice. And the source of justice is the Lord. You deal with it, Lord. Not, Lord, give me the strength to deal with them. Lord, your justice, you see, is perfect. Your justice is without sin. The only one who can enact true justice is God. You and I are in a situation in which we feel that justice needs to be done. It's not to go into our hands. We don't go into little rooms and hatch plots as to how we're going to overthrow things. You see the Apostle Paul and Peter doing that? Hey, we're down here in this catacomb. Let's figure out. Let's figure out how to assassinate Nero. Let's figure out how we can kill him. No. Remember. Remember, oh God, that you are the God of justice. And once again, justice is accomplished. Now, not because Sanballat and Tobiah's bodies are laying there in the desert being picked apart by buzzards. How was justice accomplished? He prayed for it. How did it happen? Well, one thing you could say is this. These people are all gone. Right? But the other way justice was accomplished was the very next line. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month, Elul, in 52 days. And, look at 16, and when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that the work had been accomplished with the help of our God. 
Do you think the same thing would have occurred if Nehemiah had gone out there with a sword and dueled with Tobiah and killed him? Now, what the nations are in awe of is the fact they know God is with the Jews. Why? Because Nehemiah killed somebody in revenge? No, because the work was accomplished. The work was done. The task was done. You want to see the enemies of the church of Jesus Christ fall down in fear? Then do that which the church is supposed to do. Go and be my witnesses in this world. And when the church does that which it is called to do, God, the just, will bring about his justice. Let us not as the church do what the nations of the world do. Let us as the church do that which God commands us to do. Love the truth. Believe the truth. Live the truth in this world. Would it not be great to hear the enemies of the church of Jesus Christ today utter in 52 days these words. We sensed that God was with them. Amen. Amen. Father, we do thank you again for these prayers of Nehemiah. They teach us so much in the context of the day and age in which we live. Perhaps you've placed this passage, this book before us, Lord, to prepare us for days that are to come. We do not know. For, Lord, we, we can have our own mindsets, but you are the one, Father, who is in control. And so we pray, Lord, that we like Nehemiah of old, might be faithful, that we might be people of prayer, that we might be people who look to you to strengthen us for the work, for the task, the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and God's people say, Amen.